Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Gresham's Leadership Podcast. My name is Dr. Adam Richardson, and I'll be your host. And this week we are talking architecture. Uh, we welcome Yasmin Alani Spence, the lead architect of the Dyson Building here at Gresham's. This will be our new STEAM building, uh, science, technology, engineering, art, and mathematics, all under one roof. And Henry C. from our sixth form is interviewing Yasmin. Here's what they had to say. How would you describe your role to someone outside the business? I guess it's a creative role. Uh, that there's a service to, well, I guess just about anybody. Anybody needs a dwelling. We all need somewhere to live, work, um, get educated. But So I, I see it as a creative service. Yes. Um, so where did you study architecture and did your education... I started... I started architecture, I started very briefly in Austria, where I was living at the time, yeah. and about 800 other students with me started, and the, the main lecturer said, well, out of you 800, only 50 were complete, and I thought, well, this, is, this doesn't sound too good. So then I went to London instead, and I went to a place called the Architectural Association, the AA. Yeah. So I did my five years there. Oh, wow. Do you think your education prepared you well for your job? No, <laughs> no. I keep saying that with a lot of us colleagues, we, we talk about it a lot. Uh, and I think there is something a bit wrong, but I don't think it, it prepared us creatively, but what it didn't prepare us for is especially when you get older and more mature in your role is potentially the business side of it, mm. the, the human side of it, because you deal with people all day long, which is something that when you study, you never think about. You think I'm just gonna do great things. And it's gonna be all beautiful. But nobody prepared you that you actually have a lot of problems with clients, uh, that you need to, you know, how to look after your team, how to communicate. Yeah. Um, so that side it doesn't prepare you for. And I don't think that's changed that much yet. Mm. Okay. Um, have you always wanted to do architecture or was that a bit of a split second choice? Or <laughs> it, I always wanted to do something creative. Um, I'm one of those people that is very dyslexic. So... I, when people say that makes you more creative, I think that's wrong, but you automatically look for another, another source of something that you can do. Yeah. So I always knew I wanted to do something creative and I started thinking about interiors and graphics. And then I thought, well, why don't, and I always loved architecture. So I thought, why don't I go to architecture and that will open so many other things if I want to change around. Uh, so that's why I did that, but I never regretted it. I always enjoyed it from the minute I started it. <laughs> Um, so are there any buildings which you wish you'd worked on? I wish that work on, it's a, it's a really good question because in one hand there's probably loads of buildings that I wish I've been involved with, but I've also learned that, you know, sometimes I've worked on great buildings, hmm. but the teams that we work with were very nice. So actually, although the building was great, the experience wasn't great. And sometimes you work on buildings that aren't that great, but you've, you've had a great journey and you've met lots of people. Um, so for me, it's not as, as straightforward. I think if there is a, a building that I like because of its innovation of its time, which I thought was just so, somebody had thought so far ahead, yeah. was a building, I'll, I'll send you the name, uh, by Mies van der Rohe in, in the Czech Republic. Yeah. And it's a, it's a house uh, that was 
built for a very rich man or family at the time. Mm. And it was so modern. But when you looked at the car of the owner of that same time, it was so old fashioned. <laughs> so that's when you realized how far ahead the, the architect was thinking ahead. And I thought that, that must have been pretty amazing to be so ahead of your time. Yeah. And can't even compare yourself to anybody because there was no other architects really like that. Out there, not that many anyway. <laughs> so I can send you that name and that project. Hey, thank you. Um, so are any of your projects sustainable in any way? Yes. Yes, uh, I've done quite a few sustainable ones. So we've done the Dyson Pods, uh, Dyson Institute of Engineering uh, and Technology. Um, that was in it that it is completely modular and it's built completely out of CLT, which is a timber, cross laminated timber. Yeah. Uh, it has hardly any concrete that's being used very little steel, only to put the, the connections together. It does have an aluminium cladding around it, mm. but even aluminium isn't that bad. So we, we did really well with that. It's, there's, a, there's a sort of standard now that's like a passive house, which is immensely um, healthy. Mm. And we just about reached that, that level. So we did really well with that. The other big sustainable things that you can do, which is I've done two now, I'm working on one and I've finished another, mm. is actually refurbish buildings instead of taking them down or building new, yeah. is actually reusing. And that's probably the biggest sustainable impact that you can do. Mm. So we refurbished two airplane hangars, funny enough, also for Dyson, that were built in 1942. Oh, wow. But now they're completely sort of state-of-the-art modern office and research facilities. Yeah. And they still look like they did. So that is a big plus. And at the other project at the moment, I'm doing a big project, a very big project in the city, not city of London, Canary Wharf in London. Oh, yeah. Which is a 42-storey high uh, tower built about 25 years ago. And 25 years is a, it's sort of a lifespan of a, of a, of a building not that you have to tear it down but after 25 years you know you need renewing yeah um, so instead of exactly that's what they're doing instead of building a new building they decided to completely refurbish and upgrade this building so that's another very and that we're trying to do in a very sustainable way as well oh wow that's great um so who are you most inspired by oh i did uh, i did a talk just two days ago for the RBA and they asked me that as well. Um, I don't know, so many people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm inspired by even some people on my team when they can do something so much better than I can, whether it's renders or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm inspired by lots of architects, of course, whether it's Richard Rogers or the, also the company that I work, which is Wilkinson Air. Yeah. Um, I'm inspired by uh, a man that can draw like a dream that I work with at Rogers, his name is Laurie Abbott. So there's been so many throughout that journey and it changes as well. Yeah. You know, sometimes you think they were really great and years later you go, oh, it's okay. So there's lots, there's yeah. lots. And also what I said actually at the time was, it's not only the people that inspire, it's, it's also spaces. So, oh, yeah. you know, sometimes spaces are created or landscape. So it's not always just people. This is slightly linked to that, but do you have a mentor who you particularly like? Someone sort of close to you rather than someone inspirational that you don't really know? Someone that kind of helped well, you? That's, 
that's actually really good. Um, so I would per se, per se no, but uh, yes, I, I, also my husband is also an architect and we, 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 we do bounce off each other. That's definitely a big part. Yeah. And like I said, when I was younger, a young architect, I had sort of Laurie Abbott who wasn't, I, I wouldn't say he was a mentor, but he really encouraged me to be very sort of, if you think it's the right decision, go for it. Yeah. And then actually when I started at Wilkinsnare, I would say that Chris Wilkinson actually very much took that role on and I felt very at ease. Oh, wow. so talking through things so in, in a nice way I'll probably say in this sort of stage where I'm in now although I'm a director as well of the company but he's probably he was sort of I think the, the person that gave me that assurance there oh, good okay always have somebody that you can talk to yeah <laughs> and this is also slightly linked to that um was there any useful advice that anyone has given you that you've really like remembered and stuck with <laughs> One person said something, an architect, but it wasn't so much about architecture, it was how to deal with a problem. And he said, always be bigger than the problem. And I thought, okay, <laughs> you know, always, always get over the problem, always make yourself and how you deal with it bigger yeah. than, than what the problem is. And then the problem will go. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I'd go with that one. Okay, good. <laughs> um, how many people tend to work in one of your teams? Um, at the moment, I've got a number of teams. So I've got a team which is about 20 people mm. or thereabouts, which is for the big tower. I've also got a project, a very small project that has two people on it. Mm. I've got the, obviously, the, the building at your school that had at one point up to four or five people on it. Now it's sort of one or two because it also depends at the stages of a project okay. yeah. as well. Um, so what um, what qualities do you look for when you're finding new employees if you do that? <laughs> I'm not sure if it's you or if someone in your team does. It is. I Actually, I interview nearly all of the, I don't know if you know how architectural studies work about part ones and part twos. So I there's a group of us that every summer we interview for the new part ones and the new part twos. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm in that group. So I do I do, do that. Um, what do I look for? Somebody who's very confident, has a sense of fun. They can show whether it is through their drawings, but that they have interest, a real keen yeah. interest in it. And that, that is the best thing. So we're not, you know, sometimes we've hired people whose portfolios weren't particularly beautiful, but where you could see that they've got something because not everybody can draw beautifully. No. You don't always have to, to be an architect. So it's somebody who has that bit of innovation that takes it further. And I've got a fantastic part one now. He had a good portfolio, but he's far excelled his portfolio because he will just push himself and he will learn a new program. So somebody who takes it on as a real challenge um, is, is what we sort of look for. Yeah. Um, so do you have an assistant? And does their role sort of differ to yours in any way, if you do have one? What do you mean by assistant? Well, someone as in, as, as sort of high up as you, but not you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what we do is we we have normally let's say a bigger project. Let's take the, the tower. Yeah. Um, that's that's where that sort of machine works well. So there's a director, and then usually there's always somebody called an associate director, next level down. Yeah. Very uh, professional. Very you know. Uh, 
professional. So they then do that, that bigger piece of running of what I do, exactly. Then comes an associate. Okay. Who then sort of works under the AD, under the associate. Uh, and then we go through various project runners and whatever levels, but there's usually, uh, there's usually that sort of hierarchy. And some projects I get very involved in. Mm -hmm. uh, some I get less um, involved in and they, they just, they can carry on quite well. But for example, especially the bigger ones where the client wants to see you and you are the, the main person of the team, I have to be there as well. So, but you do put those layers of responsibilities in. It's also a safeguarding and you know, sometimes the young architects don't want to come to the director to talk about everything. They feel more comfortable if there's another step just above them. So it, it, it works really well. So at the moment for this project, for the, let's say the big one, I've got two associate directors. One is a very creative one and the other one is much more about project management. Mm -hmm. So she really manages the project. So I have those two streams. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, how do you motivate your teams for sort of a new project or new idea? I find biscuits work really well. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. I, I have to say, I spend a lot of time on, on my, and with my team and with progressing through my career, I've never stopped that. Mm. Um, some people do, and it suits them. Some people don't. I'm always engaged. It is really important to keep them motivated, and especially now. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of calls, there's a lot of chat. We do meet in the office when we can. We instigate a sort of fun events. Um, we instigate jokes online. You know, it's all these sort of things that make people feel heard and part of a team. And that's super important. And when the team was a bit smaller, so once a week I'll bring breakfast in, or you go to the pub, whatever it is, people work different ways. You know, somebody who's got two young kids at home doesn't want to go to the pub on a yeah, Friday afternoon. So you have to do something different. And that, that's really the good part about working as well. So we, we do try a lot. We, we have also book clubs. We, I lead a diversity group in the office. And it's all about just communicating, breaking down barriers a bit and making few people feel part of, of the office. You know, they're, they're delivering the work. So yeah. we, we have to treat them really well. Yeah, great. And I've made fantastic friends through that as well. So it's, it works both ways. Well, that's good. Um, what do you think is important when leading your team or anything like that? And also, have you been... oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> and um, have you ever been trained in any sort of leadership way or do you just do it? No, I haven't. Um, but I seem to be able to do it quite well. But then again, there's something that I didn't know when I was younger. Had I maybe known... Um, that before if I had training I think maybe I would have focused more on it already earlier so that's what I'm saying it's a bit of a shame that this is not taught yeah uh, but leadership is, is all about listening and being able to make decisions that's something I really learned when I come to the sort of associate director level or even a bit earlier you realize you're going to have to make a decision you can't faff and sometimes it's the wrong one yeah and then you have to put your hand up and say I got it wrong, you know, yeah. I thought. So you can't be so, pre and, and that's why you need to be very confident that you can do things well and that the decisions are right. So that was for me the biggest thing where I have to make a decision. The team is looking at me to make a decision. Yeah. Um, 
and to learn to make them well, or also to say, I'm not going to make a decision today. I need more time. Mm. And that comes, you know, again, with experience that you can say to your client, I, I need to take this back. I need to talk to the team. I need more time. Yeah. And yeah, engaging what people and really it's, it's a listening, it's decision and understanding where people come from, either your team or the clients. If somebody's upset, why? What can you do if your client wants more or might be angry? Why is he, you know, it's reading people. Yeah, well, that's great. Yeah. Um, and finally, what advice would you give a student such as myself planning to go into design? specifically architecture into that industry uh the joke was always what every architect would say that is don't do it um <laughs> but uh, it isn't the most best well paid job in the world but it is it is great i mean i, I love it yeah it's patience it's a long time mm. you make money very slowly <laughs> at the end so it is it, I always call it a sort of creative bureaucracy. Although you're still doing something creative, a lot of it is is actually not. Yeah. Um, but nowadays, with all the tools of the renders and the things that you guys can do, I think it's even more fun now than it was then. Mm. So I think the advice is learn as much as you can uh, and also be diverse about it. You don't have to study in the UK. You don't have to... There's so many places. And when people say, but I want to go to the best one here or there. Um, but I've noticed now because I do the interview process. Yeah. It doesn't really matter where you study. If you're good and you're applied, most people will see it. So that's what I'm saying. And we, we make sure that we always look at completely different universities. So do your research well where you want to go. Yeah. Uh, travel, uh, talk to people. Mm. And maybe not, not be so insular. So that's the problem with the AA that I had when I was young. The AA only did architecture. So your whole life was architecture. Whereas if you study in a bigger university, you meet people from other groups, which is, I think, really good. I, I think, when I think back on it now, I mean, it was great and it was a great education, but you know, all you talk to is architects all day long. <laughs> so you brought broader horizons and take into account all what technology can give at you. All the, all the tools, you know, we're looking at Zoom now, of how do you can communicate with somebody else even through that? There's so many amazing fun programs. Yeah. Um, so yeah, look, look, at, look to the future a bit on that. Okay, well, that's everything. Thank you cool. so much. <laughs> okay, and I'll send you the Mies van der Rohe. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll send you the link to the house. Yeah, thank you so much. Cool. Bye. No worries. Bye. Bye-bye. So thank you. Thank you so much to uh, Yasmin for taking the time um, to interview there in her, in her busy schedule. And I'm really pleased to be joined uh, by Henry C. Hi, Henry. Hello. So Henry, what was it that inspired you to interview Yasmin? Um, well, I have quite an interest for architecture. I quite like to go into the architecture world. Um, and felt it'd be quite appropriate to interview someone so closely involved with architecture. And she's also got amazing experience and is working on such an impressive project right now. I just figured it would make sense. And she's obviously working on the Dyson building, which is going on at the moment. And she's very high up in designing that. So it made sense to interview someone who's leading a project for a leadership course. 
very good yeah she seemed she seemed great i mean what what did you have what would you say the main takeaways you would have from the interview would be um i really liked her approach um of answering the questions that i asked um she's she sort of had a way about her that she seemed to know the answer before i'd even finished asking it she just had a very organized way of of leading and i really liked that and it showed that she's not only passionate about her job but she's got very effective leadership methods and she she mentioned that one of her most important factors about being a leader is to listen which i think clearly demonstrates the quality of her leadership yeah she was really interesting like really um understated if you like but i mean i guess the one major takeaway for me was just that you just want to be part of her team i don't know you just want her want some of her biscuits basically <laughs> But yeah, she's just seemed fascinating. But listen, thank you so much, Henry, for taking the time yourself. Um, and I thought, for what it's worth, I thought it was a really nice interview, a really nice process. So uh, well done to you as well. Thank you. Thank you. So a big thank you to Yasmin and Henry for sharing their thoughts. It's a, it's a, it's a quite a spectacular building that's uh, being built before our eyes here on site at Gresham's. And it's wonderful to hear just a little bit of the story of one of the main creative thinkers behind the project. So this has been the Gresham's Leadership Podcast. Thank you for listening.